Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams, we're here on the patio at Amelie's. Danny Brams is over here fixing himself a nice hot coffee. Uh, the cold coffee doesn't sit right out here on a, a 48 degree morning. It is sun splash though here on the patio at Amelie's. It's great to see you and thanks for the coffee, Danny. You're welcome, brother. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, all of y'all out there listening to another coffee cast. As the winds of change blow through Charlotte, it's very windy out here on the patio. Uh, but unfortunately, it's really noisy inside. So we're out here and uh, enjoying uh, the chance to talk about some really crazy winds of change that are blowing through the club. Potentially, uh, we stand on the precipice of a new manager. I, I as we record this on a on a uh, what's today Wednesday Wednesday morning, I think we've got to be. 48 to 72 hours away from hiring a new manager, if not less. I'm not as hopeful as you are that this deal gets done this week. But I do think that the pieces now are in place. Uh, and, and we know that two of the finalists for this open managerial position are familiar names. That is, if you follow the English Premier League. <laughs> right, exactly. Which a lot of our, uh, you know, a lot of most American soccer fans do. There's very few you meet the like you definitely have MLS purists in this in this country, but even the the staunchest MLS lover at least follows the Premier League a little bit. I would you, you're definitely going to know one name, and that's Frank Lampard, Chelsea legend, manager at Chelsea as well. Started his managerial career at Derby County in the Championship. Went on to manage Chelsea. Went on to manage Everton, and uh, was the caretaker last season at Chelsea when they were courting. Mauricio Pochettino to take over uh, that role this season. The other name, maybe not as as well, familiar. The name is very familiar. <laughs> the name is extremely familiar if you uh, are a Carolina uh, person because he's quite simply the greatest coach of all time, uh, Dean Smith. You know, like who who wouldn't want to bring Dean Smith in to coach a Charlotte football club? But it's a different Dean Smith. I, I saw a lot of jokes about the. Uh, the four corners defense <laughs> yeah, 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 and exactly. what kind of tactics Dean Smith is going to roll out there exactly. on the soccer pitch. But, but Dean Smith is a former championship and Premier League manager as well. What's funny is is that these these two managers, their careers, Danny, they really mirror one another. Yeah, they're they're kind of uh, they're facing off for a job here. As you said, it's been reported uh, by Top Bin, who reported the interviews, confirmed by Tom Bogert on the National uh, Reporting World. That Good these shout two, out, by the way. Well these, yeah, these two guys have been uh, in house to talk about the job. Uh, we have to think they're not the only two. They were. No one has ever said they're the only two, and I would I would have to think there's at least two, one to two more other finalists that are in the mix here as as we kind of narrow this down. But it might be down to just two. Who knows? But what I'll say is. They're up for the job against each other, and they used to—they one time faced each other <laughs> in a very big uh, showdown as managers, and uh, and that was something you that popped out as you were looking into these guys. That was a great story. Right, I'm going to tell you that story in a second, but first, I, I just want to let people know what's coming up on the show today. Uh, Copa America, Danny. It's coming to Charlotte, the semifinal, and the third place game at Bank of America Stadium at the Fortress. That is really, really cool. Congratulations to everybody in this soccer city who who made this happen, right? If, if the fans didn't show up to that United States men's national right. team, to the to the Mexican national team games, right. uh, to... Haiti, when Haiti played here, it was a great turnout. Yes, it, it's, it's a... 
it's a really strong reflection of the fan base here and that Charlotte is indeed a soccer city. Uh, Kerwin Vargas, we've talked about his involvement in the Colombian national team. It was only a matter of time, we thought, until he would get called yeah. up. He doesn't get called up to the first team. He gets called up to the under-23 team. But in my mind, and the reason why I wanted to include this here, because I think this is the first step of Kerwin Vargas being included, potentially, in that Colombian Copa America team. Yeah, there's a very good chance that Vargas could be on the, the Copa America 2024 team. Even as just even just because they know they'll be playing in America, they want want to have you know an extra MLS player that might make the spot for him on a, t- a tight decision, or he might just play so dominant in this under twenty three uh, call up that he's recently got. Let's say we got to get this guy up no matter what, not for any. Uh a fan appeal but to win some games i love to see the young man getting this opportunity and, and then finally the mls college showcase is underway as of today are there ever any good players in the mls college showcase <laughs> some some <laughs> some guy by the name of uh, patrick ajamong uh was there la- was there last year uh you can you can check out um our previous episode, listen to me talk to uh, University of Rhode Island uh, head coach Gareth Elliott. Fun interview talking about Patrick Ajamonga's college career and how really goal scoring, uh, Danny, isn't something that is, is new to Patrick. It's, it's no. something that um, he does well and has done well throughout his entire career, starting at Division Three. More goals to come. Will, will a new manager uh, see Patrick Ajamonga as an asset to this club? I would, I would hope to think that um, he would. And then finally, we've got uh, Tifo's questions from Jorge Torres, from James Paul Perez, from Brandon Davis, and from Kevin, a.k.a. Tug Speedman. Tuggy. Tuggy, <laughs> tug, tug. I love it. So we got great questions as well. So back to, though, Danny, the idea of Frank Lampard and Dean Smith. For me, you mentioned when these two managers met on the field. This is a seminal moment in both mm-hmm. of these, these uh, managerial careers. It was the 2018-2019 championship season. Dean Smith is at Aston Villa, and Frank Lampard is with Derby. And both clubs do not get promoted. They do not finish in the top two at the time to get promoted uh, up into the Premier League. There's a four-team playoff to figure out who gets promoted and which manager gets to become a Premier League manager. Turns out, both of them actually <laughs> did, but it was Dean Smith who got the best of Frank Lampard's Derby County side in the 2019 championship playoff match. Wow. This is how closely yeah. these two men have have you know been in the same sphere together, and now all of a sudden they're in the Charlotte FC sphere. It's kind of weird to me. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I think they stood on a touchline together in what they call the the uh, the most expensive match in the world, right? The, the that match to like win and get into the Premier League is, is a matter of tens of millions of dollars to your club so it's it's a it's a high stakes showdown and now now they're they might have been in the you know they might have been on the same flight or stayed at the same hotel you know uh, here's their interviewing for this this showdown to, uh, to get our managerial post Dean Smith uh, did a really nice job uh, that season with Aston Villa he did have some help though a guy named Jack Grealish um, helped <laughs> sure. him get the job done and Jackie. get, get, get Aston Villa promoted into, One of my faves. into the Premier League so um, let's just let's Let's just start with both of these managers there, right? Because Dean Smith mm-hmm. goes on, Danny, and he has a, a solid run at Aston Villa. Uh, he, he's he's not a manager that ends up winning anything with the club. He doesn't bring them any cl- trophies. But then again, he's he's managing a promoted side in the Premier League. 
You can see, yeah. and, and we know how difficult that is. And they're still in the Premier League. They've stayed up ever since. Meanwhile... He's not there anymore. <laughs> he, yeah. he got sacked a but couple he, years later, right? But yeah. But he's laid the foundation. Yeah, for sure. But he's laid the foundation. Right. And I think that I think that if you talk to an Aston right. Villa supporter, they would tell you his time spent there reminds them of success, does not remind them of failure. All right. That's what promotion would do for a club. And by the way, Dean Smith is responsible for, for bringing players mm-hmm. like Ollie Watkins, world-class striker, was able to evaluate that talent and sign him to Aston Villa after promotion. Emiliano Martinez. Yeah. Off the Arsenal bench. Argentinian goalkeeper. Brings yeah. him over. Sees that talent as well. Signs him there too. Mm-hmm. But Dean Smith has a history of that. Meanwhile, right, and this is the final point that I want to make. Frank, Frank Lampard, after, yes, having one successful season with Derby and missing out on his chance of taking Derby to the Premier League, you know what happens, Danny? He gone. Chelsea hires him. <laughs> They, they, they brought their him. local kid home. Yeah, Chelsea needed a manager, and he was hot at the time. One guy earned it. The other guy didn't. That's yeah. the way I see this. And I think both of their careers have gone on to, to show just that. I, I think Dean Smith is, is clearly, in my opinion, the better candidate of the two. What do you think? Well, uh, I like the analysis in terms of on-field results for sure. Uh, I think when you talk about ask an Aston Villa fan – about the the Dean Smith memories and they think of it as a time of success. I don't think Chelsea people would say that about Lampard for sure. He was a, he pretty like despite a few wins and whatnot, uh, he was just known for kind of being a little out of his depth. I feel like um, to a lot of Chelsea fans. I'm not a Chelsea fans. We can we can we can ask Gaslin. We can ask uh, the those misguided well, everybody, souls everybody out there. Loves, but most people know. But they, he was their boy. He, yeah, he's super frank. frank. He's super frank. Yeah, they don't want to say bad things about him. I think it was 140-some goals for Chelsea throughout his career there. Uh, yeah, I mean, and he, you know, he then he came to MLS and wasn't very good for NYCFC, you know. So, like, uh, he does have that MLS tie. Um, how, how about an underperforming NYCFC for our manager? Who would, who would, who would uh, say no to that? <laughs> uh, um, but, um, no, I just think, like... I just don't think he really was very successful at Chelsea or, or and really, really not super great at Derby, although they did, you know, they were playing for promotion, like you said. I just think, like, he's just, like, I don't really know anything about a managerial style for him. The one standout thing I remember of Frank Lampard's time at um, Chelsea, is besides the sort of, you know, middling results, is that he treated Mason Mount like he was his son. It was almost like he wanted, like, to turn Mason Mount into himself as a player, and it was just, like... Stop trying to make fetch happen. You know, it was just—it was just like he kept running him out there over if and over, I remember, again, making sure he was on all the set pieces. If I remember, he was the first person on Chelsea's team sheet every single every match. single match, yeah. despite the result. Mason Mount was always going to be playing right. in that central attacking midfield role right. for Frank Lampard. And Mason Mount's not a bad player, but he's just—he wasn't really what Frank was try- trying to turn him into. So again, we've had experience with managers who try to turn players into something they're not, which is not something I'm eager to repeat. So my initial reaction to all these these when these rumors came out, it's funny, um, the first word I got of this was actually on Reddit, just some anonymous Redditor on uh, Tuesday morning posted something that was like, hey, Frank Lampard, uh, my buddy my buddy flew from London to uh, Charlotte this week and Frank Lampard was on his flight wearing a full suit. Looking he was good. wearing a full suit. <laughs> He's interviewing for the job. And I, I was like, that was my first tip off that Lampard was in the mix. And then the other reporting started to come out around it that was a lot more concrete. But it's just kind of funny. Like, So I've had a little bit of time to process this and think about it. As an Arsenal fan, as a guy, as a Chelsea hater kind of, like my 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 Irish, my the hair on the back of my neck stands up when you say Frank Lampard might come be our manager. But 
Um, I have to put that aside. Obviously, I care more about Charlotte FC than Arsenal a lot these days. So, is he the right guy for the job? I think the positives are development of young players, maybe, other than the mount thing I just cited. Like, I, I don't really know. I, I've heard that that's what he's good at, but I don't haven't really seen it. Uh, you talk about uh, didn't he signed Deli Ali also? Yes, after yeah. after he got the Everton job, he kind of identified Deli Ali as somebody uh, he could help a rescue project yeah. his career, and and that was unfortunately dead on arrival for yeah. Deli Ali at Everton, and, who, who who Deli obviously went on to have um, difficulties and, and was having difficulties throughout his career. Right. So uh, ultimately, you know, this is no criticism of of Deli Ali. This is kind of maybe a criticism of Frank Lampard thinking that he can create something that wasn't there similar to how he thought he could create something that wasn't there with a player like Mason Mount. Yeah. Right. So, where, where his experience on the pitch, his ability to maybe play above what his level is. So that all worries me out. And then the one other thing that worries me is for both of these guys, um, for Dean and Frank is like, what is their mission to come here? Are they really super psyched up to come here to Charlotte, North Carolina from England and build a great club? Because that's what we need. We're still a young club. We're, we've been two se- We've had two seasons of existence. Like, so we really need someone in here who's in here for the long haul. And not. I feel like both these guys might be trying to say, "Hey, I've kind of bombed out over here in Europe. I'm not getting many prospects. Go over to America. You know, what? How hard could it be to take over an American club and do really well with them for a little while, and then bounce back over and get get a top flight championship or, you know, Premier League job or something like that. So I don't. I would. Ha- I would be have. I have a lot of questions about that, and I'm sure those questions would be asked in the interview by Joe, Joe and Zorn and the team and all that. So like, I, I agree with you 100 yeah. percent on this, and and I think if I were to list my concerns with Frank Lampard as uh, as Charlotte FC manager, it would be how long would he be here? Just right. what you said, and and the the one experiment that I've seen in this same light that has failed and similarly another Derby County manager <laughs> Wayne Rooney there's only one Wayne Rooney thank God there's only one Wayne Rooney on this podcast at the end of this MLS season I remember saying to you oh Wayne Rooney he's done at DC he doesn't, he, yeah. he doesn't even want to be there and he was like done yeah he, he was done the next day I think he, right? he yeah. absolutely was and it just it was an experiment that didn't work so mm-hmm. I think it would be really really smart I did think of Rooney when I heard the Lampard news for Charlotte yeah. FC to kind of look at that Wayne Rooney experiment and see how Wayne Rooney yeah. you know, I, adjusted to MLS play how committed he was to being here you know what Wayne Rooney did at DC United he tried to resurrect his coaching career Mm -hmm. you know what Frank Lampard is going to try to do at Charlotte FC he's going to try to resurrect Mm -hmm. his coaching career two three years later what Rooney's back across the pond working at Birmingham City didn't that's probably he probably hoped he would do better at DC and get a better job over there but he was always going back over there one way or the other and if it's Birmingham or uh, (laughs) Manchester United you know hope we'll see what happens but So like, well, let, me, let me just add something on Dean Smith though here, right? Because we're, cool. if, if we're going to criticize Dean uh, Frank Lampard about what is his ultimate end goal with taking this job, I don't want to put Dean Smith in that same category. I think he's older. He's 52, I believe. His coaching career is not necessarily over in England. But there's going to be a lot of young managers who come up in the next five or six years, and Dean Smith can kind of potentially become a forgotten figure. Because I want to, there's there's a guy named Sam Allardyce, right? Big, Big Sam, Sam. Who, who, is, Big who Sam? is absolutely known as somebody that can save a potential relegation mm-hmm. side and keep them up, right? And Dean Smith has been tasked with that twice. 
in the last three years, and he's failed both times. Therefore, he's probably not going to get that opportunity again. Right. And I don't expect to be that rescue manager, a Premier League team, to give him a third chance to be the rescue manager. He's failed twice, and I I just don't think that decision will be made. This this dog does not does not this dog over here is totally agreeing with you about certainly yeah one hundred percent right. So I think that he's at a different part of his career, and we've we've. We've seen the tidbits about Dean Smith's son. Yes. Who has been here in Charlotte for many, not in Charlotte, excuse in me, Carolina. in Carolinas. Yeah. Plays currently Asheville for the, Greenville. For the yeah. Greenville Triumph, played for Asheville. I don't know what the relationship is like between father and son. I saw a picture of them together. But. So I'm going to speculate <laughs> here, and I'm going to say, I like to think as two soccer minds that they've been speaking Dean Smith has been here, has visited the area, is familiar with this, and kind of knows what he's getting into. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Lampard has no fucking clue what he's getting into. Okay. As far as coming to, to Charlotte, North Carolina, and understanding how soccer works here. I think Dean Smith has an intimate understanding of how soccer works in these two states because of his son. And I think, again, that gives me um, the belief that Smith would actually be a hire that I could really, really get behind. Okay. That, I, that, that's a good distinction. I, I knew the news about his son and stuff like that, or the connection there, and and uh, I was going to say, if that's the reason to hire him, that'd be really, really bad. But if, that, if that's just a little bonus on the side, then yeah, then it makes sense. It, it's part sure. of the story. Yeah. It's, okay. it's part of the whole, and it's how you, when you're going to interview people, you have to differentiate. What makes sure. them different? What qualities is someone bringing? Right. What kind of knowledge does 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 a potential manager have that somebody else doesn't? I think, you know, I, I, this isn't you know something that Dean Smith is going to do for selfish reasons. He's not, you know, I would be concerned if he got the job and then the first signing he made was his son from Greenville Triumph. <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> I wouldn't we, be surprised. We, we 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 neglected to hire Bob Bradley for a reason, y'all. Come on now, but, or Josh Wolf. But here's the thing, right? Uh, I, this conversation has been fantastic, and. Like I, I, it's you, two of potentially four candidates, right? right? So to, to act like the the decision is going to be made between these two candidates, I, I don't want to sit here and pretend like that's the case because there could be somebody else out there. Sure, could be a few other people out there. But I mean, you know, Dom Kinnear's interviewing. We don't know if he's interviewed with us, but he's definitely interviewing around the league. Yeah. I mean, we had 10 names, or maybe it was eight names. We had eight names yeah. on our list, the Great coaching names. candidates episode. Go Great back names. and listen to our coaching candidates episode. We did not have Dean Smith or Frank Lampard no, on either of our of lists. Yeah. Um, but they do align with things that we've said on the show. Yeah. And this is the last point I, I want to make. And I want to ask you this question. Zoran Cronetta, the European pipeline, is are these candidates... Are Zoran Cronetta's fingertips... All over this, do you do you believe that he's leading this search when you see these two candidates? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because we know he's inclined to work. It, it's not that he has some sort of um, irrational belief that Europeans are better. He's just like we know that he likes to work in what he's familiar, and so that's why he deals in, in Europe so often. I think that that's all it is. Uh, and who wouldn't want to work in areas where you know they feel the most confident and comfortable and familiar? I don't know. I mean, I would. I surely do. But I think. The there has to be some. So the thing of it is, is that's kind of another one of my. I, like I, I, I said, I think at the beginning, as I try to say, yeah. After sleeping on this, I was way more positive on this news than I was when I went to bed. But then I've done nothing but spew negatives ever, ever since I started uh, going into detail. So I will get to a positive in a second. But I, I just like 
that's one more thing that get, concerns me about both these guys is like I think when you talk about a manager sporting director combo two uh, positions that work very closely in tandem with each other especially at this club yeah I think you you just need some institutional MLS league knowledge to be working with in terms of a deep background. I know Zorn's got two years in the league now. He's not a total rookie anymore, but at the same time, like, and I and I also agree with this, a take I heard, which is, yeah, but you really want your sporting director to be the MLS knowledge guy, and it doesn't matter if your if your manager has that. Well, we don't have that. We have a sporting director who's only two years in the league. So, I just think if you can't have one, then you would want the other. So, I I, I still lean towards I want a, a manager. Uh, a domestic it doesn't really matter their nationality but a, a domestic manager in terms of someone who's been working in the league for for a long time uh it's it's it's, it's something that i think that's appropriate it makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah i mean it, that's just what i want it, it's clearly I don't think it's essential but it's just what i would choose it's clearly missing from both of these cvs yeah right yeah, there's just yeah. there's just nothing exactly. there just know the league it's important and like we were criticized for that charlotte fc before we even launched there was so much so much of the early critique of Charlotte FC's early build was oh they didn't hire anybody that knows MLS and we attacked that we pushed back on that on this show saying well you know sometimes you have to be come from outside to break the machine and, and redefine and all that but we have we can't ignore the evidence that two years have told us which was there's some validity to the idea that having some institutional league knowledge in your building is extremely helpful so uh, when you think about the, especially the margins of how we've, we've we've been kind of a mediocre club for two years and we could be we but we've been so close to being really really good you know it's just like man if a few other things had gone our way and things like that so you think you start thinking about that stuff so all of that is in my head for sure and that's all why it's all my initial negative reactions to these two rumored names but when i start to think about it, this goes for both but especially for lampard is that you know you got i started to think about what would players react again this is why i was i kind of almost went down with the ship on latanzio even though i didn't really like his managerial style it was because the players respected him and i'm always going to go to our players and i'm starting to think like how would the players react to like a great name coming in like i just think a name kind of like that as long as they're not a total asshole but if they can come in and be a, a decent manager and they have that sort of name and that 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 resume of he's done it, Frank Lampard's played and won the Champions League and, and been done it at the highest levels. Like that's going to appeal to a lot of players that we have now and players that we might sign. I, I'm going to I'm going to make a, a, a statement and it's a disagreeable statement here. And it's Scott Arfield came into this club as a Champions League player and not one player on the team asked him about it. He said that during our interview. That's true, right? And he, here's and, and that's somebody that played in the Champions League like two years ago. That's true. Young players on Charlotte FC. I wouldn't be surprised if they really don't know who Frank Lampard is. <laughs> Crazy to think of, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just celebrated a birthday. You I won't just, give, me, I won't you give just away. made me feel old. Yeah. I, won't, <laughs> I won't give away what you said. 2008 was a long time ago, bro. <laughs> it was, though. Yeah. Patrick yeah. Ajman was born in 2000. Yeah. All right. It's, 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 Frank Lampard was playing at a time where a lot of these players we just, were not really watching professional soccer. I mean, I mean you just... You didn't just poke a pin in in my bubble there. You just fucking took a hatchet to it. But I mean, no, but, maybe, but that was the only positive I had. No, but there could be some actual. Uh, there, there really could be some validity to that, right? Where you bring them in, you show the players what this man has accomplished. You you talk about how he's been there. The problem is, and I mean this sincerely, is are we hiring a manager or are we signing a player? Right. Like, right. wouldn't you want to bring a manager in who can say to the group, 
I've lifted that trophy here, mm -hmm. right. right? I've accomplished this. We can help achieve right. our goals together. Right. Not, oh, I was was a player here, a player there. That's right? why I liked Geo. That's why I liked Dom, you know? That's why I liked some of these guys. Even, even, even though I would not like Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter has done it. So just like there's, there's names out there. Uh, Rob Frazier, same thing, you know, former coach of the year in MLS. We said we weren't going to go uh, on a 20-minute deep dive about these two <laughs> candidates, but but here we are. It's, yeah. it's, it's Charlotte's Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams here. We're at Amelie's uh, French Bakery and Cafe here in South Charlotte, right off of Park Road and Park Road Shopping Center. What a beautiful morning it in is out here, Danny. The, deep in the heart of Charlotte. Uh, yeah, it's great. Right around the corner from the, the best hidden little bar, uh, Sir Ed's. You know, this is just a great part of town. I love it here. The, and uh, the... The vibe is just nice, you know. The finally, the few most of the the busy, busy breakfast crowd has moved out, and now it's just kind of chill out here on the patio. It's nice. It's it's December sixth, and and these are the kind of reasons that you move to Charlotte, and you 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 stay here because you realize in December you can have a nice hot coffee on the patio. Yeah. You can talk soccer in this beautiful city, and realize that um, it's a really busy month. And you know who's going to learn that? The entire effing world, because they're coming here for Copa America. What was your reaction, Danny, when you when you saw this news, when you heard this news that the semifinal Just match was going to be played at the Fortress? Elation, more so than any um, other, any other previous international match. Like when they even even U.S. Men's National Team when they announced they were here, when they were not when they were friendlies and not you know random things I just couldn't really get excited even Chelsea versus Charlotte FC I, I wasn't super excited for I know a lot of people were I don't take away from that but like this for me like this is like a real match this is like a semi-final in the probably the third biggest tournament in the world I would say I, I behind uh, World Cup Euros, World Cup and, Euros Copa? and Copa America yeah this is but this is the third biggest tournament in in global football yeah and you and it's normally all South American teams but they what they do is they invite a few other nations and and for this upcoming one they've invited the US and it's gonna be held in the US so like Argentina Brazil Colombia Uruguay like powerhouses are gonna be like there's a chance, and if the U.S. plays well, there's a chance we could be seeing the U.S. men's national team play. We've made it to the semi. I think we made it to the quarters of the last time that we were invited to the Copas. The, they called it the Centenario, uh, I think, 10 years ago, I think. But it was, six, it was 2018. Okay, yeah, six, five years, six years ago. So, yeah, like, I just it's high hopes. It's, it's high hopes to see not only a great international match, but a high, high stakes international match. If it's uh, elation is a, is a perfect word. Um, if I could choose one word for it, um, I would maybe use proud. Yeah. You know, to know that all of the energy and all the effort that's been mm -hmm. put in um, by so many people in this community yeah. to be rewarded with this, yeah. right? And, and I think... I don't what know. did uh, what did BJ Callahan say? Right? Oh man, you're reading my mind. I was going to mention BJ Callahan. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, we don't know who the third and fourth candidate is. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's one of them. Yeah. And BJ Callahan, the the he was the the manager for the United States Men's National Team when the U.S. played here. And after the match, he was just absolutely glowing mm -hmm. about the atmosphere, and he was absolutely spot on. And I think, you know, people really noticed. Now, my other question is, what was your reaction to a lot of, you know, maybe not a lot, but there's some people in the national media landscape that cover soccer in this country who were, frankly, shocked that Charlotte landed the semifinal match. My reaction: clap back. 
bitches. <laughs> I don't put up with any of that. There was people, like, writers that I respect were tweeting, like, Charlotte, I'm not going to lie. This is kind of an upset pick and all this stuff. And it's like, have you guys been paying attention? Have you seen the attendances that pour out for MLS, for U.S. Men's National Team, for other CONCACAF teams, any for, you know, any for exhibitions? We put 70K in that place. Like, why would you not have the semifinal here? Are you absolutely insane? Like, like it, it makes no sense. And, like, people were like, oh, Charlotte must... I would love to see the bid book. Someone said, oh, I, I'd love to see that Charlotte bid book because, you know, all the sites that want the semifinals have to submit a bid that says, like, this is how we're going to do it. It's not like they just say... They don't just pick names out of a hat. Like, people in the soccer community, I'm so, quite certain within Charlotte FC... Totally. ...were cool. working hard yeah. to, like, present to the Copa America organizers, hey, this is what Charlotte has to offer you and yeah and you know what not only do we show out for u.s men's national but we showed out for various other nations as well and this is an international tournament so like oh, yeah. you know like oh, kc you know I, I, people were i think chicago was the city that was whining the most about uh, us getting it over them and it's just like come on I, i've never really been a fan <laughs> of third place matches right right it's always been i appreciate that they do it right because right. i think as as a former track and field athlete as a huge fan of olympians Bronze medals mean everything sure. to Most people, definitely. and I think when you when you when you play at a level of competition in professional sports, and you're talking about the third best global soccer tournament in the world, getting third place in that is pretty fucking cool, right? And if that game was in Los Angeles, I might not be that interested. But knowing that, and, and think about this, right? If you have two semifinal matchups of Argentina versus United States mm-hmm. and Brazil versus Colombia, right? You're guaranteeing yourself an opportunity to see three of those teams in person. Yeah. Right, because yeah. you're going to see the original semifinal match. Right. You're going to see the loser of that the match again. One. And you'll see the and loser of the, the other loser semi. The, so yeah. you'll get to see, in Charlotte here, you're going to get to see three of the four semifinalists for the Copa America. That means Brazil, Argentina, the United States, yeah. Colombia. I saw the odds list out Amazing. there. It's just, it's you know, obviously Mexico you, is going to be you might, a, a team that could potentially make that semifinal. You might be seeing Kerwin Vargas play for a trophy with the Colombian national team at Bank of America Stadium a year from now, or a little less than a year from now. It's it's, yeah. it's unbelievably exciting. Six months from now. <laughs> yes, seven, but yeah. It just goes to show that Charlotte I can is, do math. is certainly a soccer city. And you It's can, La Vie en Rose, you know, like to take some inspiration from Amelie here. It's just a beautiful thing. It's just like life is, is golden, you know. It's, it certainly is. Um, and you know, speaking of Amelie's here, you know, it'll be really fun to do. Um, get Adelson uh, Milano over here for an interview. Get, yeah, get, get Amelie, yeah, get, yeah, get, yeah, exactly. Taste at home. I saw he was potentially back in France. I hope so. Uh, recently, I saw he was with maybe his home. boyhood club. You gotta do uh, that. He was traveling there. Um, speaking of, of players traveling, uh, Patrick Ajaman, the club, did a really nice uh, short yeah. form video. About Patrick Ajemong and his um, and his journey from East Hartford, Connecticut, to um, Division Three Eastern Connecticut State University, 
there and we learn a little bit about his about his background which I just wanted to say this and I think this is really uh, interesting for both of us is that we both spent a lot of time in Hartford oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so it's like I never lived in West Hartford but almost all my co-workers and friends did yeah, I, sure. I, yeah. I certainly yeah. did I, and honestly did if I did yeah I think um, if uh, if I told Patrick Ajamon that I lived in West Hartford I think he would look down at me and say <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. I would not tell him. I, mean, I would, if I met Patty, the one thing I would not say to him, like, "Oh, you're from East Hartford. Oh, I used to hang out in West Hartford all the time. That was great." No, no I'm yeah. staying away from that conversation. Hundred um, percent. So I just it, it it really hit home with me the the type of journey that this player has been through. Um, and I, what's what's funny is that the the club and Charlotte Soccer Show both released content about Patrick Ajman on the same day Amazing. without coordinating yeah, yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, that was not coordinated, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I had the interview. He's in the air. Yeah, seriously. I had the interview with Gareth Elliott, uh, the Rhode Island coach who coached him, and then I went on to write about Patrick Ajman as well. So I wanted to say that on the show, Danny. I wanted to promote um, our new Substack, Charlotte Soccer City. Uh, you can you can go to the show description. I'll make sure that I put the link in there. It's free. Uh, and it's going to remain free. It's going to be free right. for the entire 2024 season. I can guarantee you that. Content, baby. It's just and, we know people want content, and we're going to give it to them. And, there, and there's a lot of you know folks out there writing about Charlotte FC. And I think something that was really interesting, and you posted uh, the my first article on on Threads, which was the article that was titled the same as the podcast episode. Is Patrick Ajamong a budding MLS star? You posted that on Threads, and I saw an interesting reply talking about someone guest writing for our Substack. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there. That if you are somebody in the Charlotte FC community, if you are a TFOS and you like to write, please get in right. touch with me because I'd be right. happy. You want to just write one? You don't want to be tied down to like, oh, I have to write something every week, but you just want to write something and submit it to us. We'll publish it, of yeah. course. Yeah, well, because it's much easier for us to 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 publish written word than spoken word from a guest, right? Because a podcast guest is hard. You got to coordinate. Mm-hmm. You got to get on the computer. You know, if someone wants to write something in their you know their own time in the morning over some coffee and and send it into us and have it published, I think that would be really cool. Hell yeah. So pitch something. And that's the idea. Pitch something to us to write about and we'll certainly level up Luke, to... you have your marching order. <laughs> I mean he was who I was thinking about <laughs> as I was saying that to, to be honest. Um, so uh, speaking of the TIFOs, uh, just looking at this rundown here, Danny. Last thing I wanted to mention was the MLS College Showcase. We did mention that. I just want to give a shout-out to Ben Green. He's there. He's there. Uh, We uh, can confirm. We've done some reporting on this. Yes. Talk talk to Ben this week. He is there with the scouting department, um, seeing who's next in line, um, potentially to be drafted by Charlotte FC in the upcoming uh, Super Draft later this month. Uh, If you want to learn more about Ben, if you want to understand kind of what he does for the club and what he's doing this week at the MLS College Showcase, uh, go back into our uh, catalog and you'll see a, a really fun interview that we did with Ben Green uh, during the summertime. Arsenal supporter Ben Green. Love that guy. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to think that we could be out there scouting the next Patrick Ajibong right now. Exactly. Um, so with that, let's get into some TFOS questions. we got four of them. They're really good. Uh, Jorge Torres. Jorcero, how you doing, Jorge? Yeah, I know he wants to. He was the first person that told me about the Kerwin Vargas news, of course. Huge. I'm, I'm happy for, yeah. for Jorge. I'm always so happy for uh, the Colombians here in Charlotte who are so well represented by Kerwin Vargas. I think he's one of the best young players in MLS. Did, did I ever tell you about Jorge and I went to lunch at Los Paisas after uh, the Crown Legacy lost <laughs> to Columbus Crew 2? Yeah. Had a hell of a lunch, man. That was, that was a great lunch. Love to hear that. You know? <laughs> it's, it's all. It, I love a good lunch. I don't know. I mean, What's Jorge's question? <laughs> We've been shouting this kid out. 
aside from coach, biggest off-season need? Oh, wow. Um, I'm just going to go – I'm going to shoot for – well, I have, uh, I think our biggest off-season need is a huge signing. Just a huge sign. Just a star, star signing. Love Carol Swiderski. Had no clue who he was when we signed him. Love him now. Had no clue who he was. I want us to sign someone who everybody knows who they are the minute that name is announced. My mind – goes to my big like shoot the moon that I know is not realistic and won't happen I'd be like let's go get Antoine fucking Griezmann from Atletico Madrid you know I know he has a lot of interest in coming to the US someday let's just throw a bag at him and make it happen early to prevent him from going to like a New York or LA team in two years but that's not the team yeah 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 exactly but that probably won't happen um this is what the the one that's more realistic, but still a big swing for me is uh, and not not this he doesn't quite fit that everyone would recognize his name right away, but Georgi Mihailovic, U.S. men's national player, who was a superstar in Montreal, he dominated us when one I, I, he he he's already shined on the turf at Bank of America Stadium, before he's amazing and he went to. Aze Alkmaar in the Dutch league this season and he's been the problem is he's been getting more playing time recently like for a while when I first sort of came up with this we should go get Mihailovic it's because he was like being wasted on the bench in uh in the Dutch league but like since then in the weeks since then he's actually picked up some more minutes so could could be not happening but I would love to go bring Georgie home uh to MLS and and have a U.S. men's national um uh not a starter for them necessarily but he's in the mix and it'd be really cool to have him on our club Okay, I thought about this question, and, and I thought about um, how much you're going to hate this answer. I love it. Uh, I think that our biggest off-season need is central midfield. <laughs> Another one? <laughs> Specifically at Ashley Westwood's position and Brant Bronico's position. Mm-hmm. I love both of those players. I think that they obviously have a spot on this squad, and I think that they can start most every game, especially Westwood in that in that captain position. I think two years into this project, it's time to, to ask Brant Bronico to step his game up a little bit. He's not good in the final third. Christian Latanzio put him in that position way too many times. I think that this club needs to get somebody in here to challenge Brant Bronico and ultimately decide if he's the player that should be starting every match for this club. I think that to me is the biggest offseason need. Yeah, and that's realistic. Obviously, we love we we it, it's it's tough to talk about challenging guys spots of players that we really enjoy, obviously, but it is the, the reality of the situation. But that's what good coaches do, by the yeah, way. Yeah, 100%. These are tough. Yeah, that's why coaches make a lot of money is because they have to make tough decisions and stand by them and get fired when they don't work out. And and, and for what is worth, there was part of the reason why I feel this way is is because of the playoff match against New York Red Bull where I just felt like we were outplayed in the middle of the pitch all game long, and and I think part of that was was tired legs. So many matches, yeah. So many games played. Red so Bull. many urgent matches. Yes, and, and Red Bull playing this pressing style, and and it was really yeah. apparent that we the central overrun. midfield was not was not ready for that assignment. Mm-hmm. But, but that being said, it doesn't mean that you know they need to be replaced. It just means added depth. Right. Right, because someone like Breck Diagre is not going to be a, a, a central midfielder for this club. He's too small. He has no defensive abilities whatsoever. Yeah. He's a winger. He's 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 a he's a 10 who has no defensive responsibilities whatsoever. I'd like him as a 10, not a winger, personally. Either what my yeah. point is, like, those are his two positions. He's not going to yeah. do anything for you on the defensive side of the ball. There needs to, there, there needs well, to be Well, that's not true. Because he will tackle guys <laughs> illegally in the box in the stoppage time <laughs> defensively. 
Oh man, yes he will. Yes, if he's called into action, he will make sure that he, he goes down and, and takes care of business. Um, so sad, yeah, I sad just, legacy book. So, I, so I'd really like to see somebody like I don't know Derek Jones. Right, uh, we need a Jones replacement by, yeah. by Charlotte FC and someone who. Even more so than Derek, who we all really liked, is is just that destroyer role. Derek the destroyer, we called him on his best days, and it's because like I think of someone like Jose Brujo Martinez for Philadelphia, is it, just that that number that just like that stalwart six who's like bigger than everybody else and like just goes and like takes the ball and just cuts off attacks and stops them and just just kills them dead. And that's that's what Jose Martinez does so well for Philly. Um, that's what Wobodo did uh, for Cincy so well this year to fuel their rise. You know, you look at all the, all the great teams, and they, they have that that defensive stopper uh, for Columbus. It's Aiden Morris this year, and it's been Darlington Nagby in the past. He's not, and it doesn't have to be someone big. Nagby's been able to do it. All right, we're going rapid fire on the last two questions here. Danny Brams, JPP, which position group needs the most attention this offseason? I mean, I think you just answered it kind of, <laughs> but um, for me, I'm going to say – Center back. I agree completely. My answer was center back to that question as well. Bill Tuoloma is in position to potentially get back into the squad, but but ultimately, if he does, what's the future of Guzman Carujo? I think there's a lot of questions to be asked there. Brandon Davis chimes in. Are the rumors of Charlotte FC looking into spending big money for Albert Gronbach? Uh, excuse that pronunciation if that's not right. Pretty much, pretty much as sure as King Carroll is on the way out for January 1st. Do you expect Carroll to be transferred in the January window? Yes, but not as much as I did two weeks ago. And the Albert Granbeck signing. Maybe. It's silly season rumors. Who knows? He may be the guy. He may not be the guy. Last question comes from uh, Tug Speedman. Tuggy, thoughts on MLS playoff format and what would you, would you change? We're going to push this to next episode because this is a big discussion we want right. to get into. And, and there's partly, one game left. And partly because you're going to that game. Right. You're going to MLS be, Cup this Saturday. I'll be at MLS Cup final. I'm waking up early Saturday morning, driving to Columbus. Can't wait. Meeting a big group of friends there. And... Uh, we uh, got a little VIP treatment, maybe courtesy of uh, my friends in France. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> uh, your friends in France, right? And you're here at Amelie's Day. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you today, as always, Danny Brams. Uh, stick around. We're going to have more episodes coming uh, your way. If there is a Charlotte Coaching FC hire, you can guarantee we'll have a live podcast episode reacting to that news. But for now, it's for the crown, baby. 